0: It's very common nowadays to ridicule the idea of uh, an afterlife and particularly the notions of heaven and hell. If you look at any of the atheist literature they are usually quite derisory about the idea of uh, particularly of a hell which they say is used by religious groups and and others simply to control the population and there's the idea nowadays as we move into an atheist society that um, somehow people have freed themselves from the shackles of this belief and now there's a freedom and we see it in the lgb and so on and um, other uh, groups and even you know there's a kind of acceptance of paedophilia and and other things and you know certainly of abortion and and even there's talk of allowing uh, mothers t- um to dispose of their babies you know when they're less than two years old if they find them an encumbrance and you know and then there's euthanasia for the old people if you um if you're finding things a bit uh a bit hard when you get old where you can always get euthanized you don't need a reason and of course then there's the pressure of society and we see this even in Canada um, where if you're real and you're going to be a burden on society well you know the right thing to do is to get euthanized and of course there's the tremendous um, emotional pressure to do that and this idea that uh, we have somehow freed ourselves from the shackles of religion um, is is a very dangerous one. It opens the door to allowing anything. If you have if you have no religion, well, then anything goes, and we can see that. And the people who lay down the rules, of course, are the the government, and the government is no longer following insofar as they ever did any kind of religious agenda they're simply following their own agenda they will allow or not allow what suits them as a government and that isn't what suits people necessarily people are going to find this out more and more and discover that they've unleashed a, a dragon that's going to burn them now one of the sort of the ways in which uh, atheists and others talk about, um, uh, particularly about the idea of a hell, is almost the expectation that this is something you have no control over. And I think to a certain extent, religions got themselves to blame for this. You know, the Catholic idea that we're born with a, a kind of um, a, a sin, uh, is that like, well, we're damned anyway, so anything you do, you know, might make the process a bit better, but there's not much you can do about it. Whereas in fact, uh, the reality, and this is very well described and clearly laid down in the Quran, is that there are certain things which will tend to uh, bring about a, a very Bad, very bad condition in your afterlife, and there are things that are going to bring about a very good condition in your afterlife. You see, in this world, we don't pay the consequences of our actions. If you take something as basic as the Ten Commandments, well, who nowadays is going to follow the Ten Commandments? But if you did, I mean, you might make the best intention, of course, you're going to foul. I mean, this um people you know said that, that if you don't you make the intention to not lie whether well, there might be times when you find yourself lying there might even be times when you know you're forced to kill somebody because of self defense i mean it happens you know the point is about your intention and if you make the intention of following the 10 commandments and leading a good life you will you'll, you'll go to paradise i mean you you'll go to a good place because the afterlife is really facing the consequences of what we do in this life. There are consequences in this life, but they're not obvious and people don't see them. I mean, usually because they don't want to see them. I've um, I've met many, many women, obviously, who have had abortions. I don't think I've... I mean, as a ther- therapist, this is probably not surprising, but I've probably never met a woman who's had an abortion who doesn't feel um, huge, uh, have emotional and psychological problems as a result of that. And that's not just in a therapeutic uh, environment. Even personally, I've I've found this to be the case. Um, They're told by society that there's nothing wrong with an abortion. So when they get emotional consequences, they don't attribute it to the abortion. Um, so we do suffer consequences. You know, people who lead good, religious, simple lives are happy, generally, they're very happy. Um, People who go against that generally become unhappy. They suffer um, anxiety, depression, and all these other things. But it's hidden from people. There's not an obvious cause and effect. When you die, the, the veil is lifted, as it were, and you see the consequences of your actions. Now, of course, one of the themes that atheists keep trotting out is say, well, how can a God who's all good and, you know, they've decided that God's all good and, you know, um, bring about something bad like uh, eternal damnation, which is a phrase I love to use and religious people sort of love to use that as well. The reality is that you, God really doesn't send anybody to, to hell. You send yourself. One of the prevailing uh, modern views in a kind of pseudo-psychology, any real psychology has got thrown out the window. Nobody bothers teaching um, Jung, Carl Jung anymore, or the idea of the subconscious or hidden motivations or the idea of Having a shadow or a dark side—that's all been thrown out the window. We've been psychology has been reduced to a simplistic nature that if you want something and the, that you should have it. So if you if you're six years old and you think you're you are born a boy and you think you're a girl, well you should have that. You should be a girl. If you're gay, well you should have what you want—gay marriage. If you're pregnant and you wanna you're about to have a baby and you don't want it, well then you should be able to get rid of it what you want is very simple and so the prevailing orthodoxy goes there is no subconscious there is no thing thing that you know like in rape you know they say oh no means no well no doesn't mean no Uh, we're split in many many ways people say things that they they may want at that moment but realize they don't want in other ways and so on but all this has been forgotten about but when you die, it's these other aspects of yourself, some of which you hid very, very well, which come back and, and it's these aspects of your own psyche that will condemn you to to hell or, or take you to heaven. They are part of you. So it's not God sending you to, to hell. It's your own nature that you have hidden from yourself, which comes up and says... You know, you killed this baby when you were pregnant. You did this. You did that, and so on. And even here, you know, there's, um, you know, the idea that sort of somebody's had an abortion, they're damned to hell, is not necessarily correct. You know, there are people make mistakes in life, and part of life is making a mistake, and part of life also is. Understanding that mistake, regretting it to the point that you you say, look, it was wrong and I'm not going to do it again. And understanding why you did it as well, this is very important. Um, One of the uh, things I've seen a lot in, in therapy is women who come in who have been through an abusive relationship. They don't come to me generally when they're in the abusive relationship. Or if they do, it's not because they're in the abusive relationship. That sort of comes out with the therapy. But often when they've been through the abusive relationship, they come to me. And I remember, I think I've said this before, but I remember the first time when I had this uh, woman sitting there and she'd been in this abusive relationship. And I, and I thought to myself, I've got to ask her a question, but I could be accused of blaming the victim here. But finally I said it and I said to her, look, I said, I've got to ask you this question. Why did you get into that relationship in the first place? And as I say, if you were to say this online, I'm sure people would come back and say, you're blaming the victim and so on. No. The reason why I had to ask the question was because unless she understood why she got into that relationship in the first yeah. place, she's not going there's nothing to stop her doing it again. And what she said was... Well, yes, she said, that's the question I keep asking myself all the time. And subsequently, I've asked that question many, many times from women who have come out of abusive relationships. I've never been accused of blaming the victim. But the importance of making a mistake and understanding it is how you evolve. We evolve through making mistakes. So the idea that you've made this terrible mistake and you're doomed to hell, no, no, n- not at all. It's the question of understanding that. Now, the guide, you know, I said this is clearly laid down in the Quran and, it is, and it's written, but it is built into us. It's in the form of our conscience. It's in that part of us that knows right from wrong and that people often suppress from an early age. But this is why they suffer from mental problems, anxiety, depression, and so on. It's because their conscience, that part of them is telling them one thing, and their intellect, their so-called rationality, is telling them something else. So one of the important things is to still the mind, to quieten them. This is why I emphasize meditation. So that when you kill, you, you suppress and you stop that train of thoughts which generally carries people through the day. You know, often from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment they go to bed, they're carried along by a train of thoughts that they really have no control over. So when you're able to get control over that, by by stepping sideways from it and observing the thoughts instead of feeding them, you can become aware of those deeper characteristics, those consciences, that feeling of conscience and so on. Now it's interesting that if you read Eckhart Tolle or the Dalai Lama or these people who who are spiritual, they always emphasise the idea of having a still mind. And as far as Eckhart Tolle is concerned, and many, many others, they say this is almost like the end result, this is the, the aim, this is where you have to get to. Well, no, as far as I'm concerned, stealing the mind and getting rid of that useless train of thought, and it is generally useless, isn't the end result, it's the beginning of the journey, that is the start of the journey then you can start listening to your conscience. You start listening to your, uh, these, these uh, intuitive thoughts, and I've talked about this before, these drops of diamonds that are given to us that you're able to listen to. And when you start listening to these things, of course, you have to face up to some consequences. You know, there's a very good movie called The Experimenter, and it's about... Psychologist Milgram, who did a, a very well known experiment and he did it in the 1960s. I've explained it before, but very basically, he um, conducted a, an experiment where they got people off the street, the students, or other people. They were um, told they're doing an experiment where they have to give electric shocks to uh, somebody who's learning a subject. When they got the the question wrong, they gave increasingly uh, serious electric shocks, starting from very mild right up to very serious electric shocks. I talked about this before and you can read it up, the Milgram experiment. And um, what he found was that there was a quite consistent um, proportion of people who were prepared to apply very serious electric shocks. you know, it wasn't real, but they thought it was, to people in order to participate in the experiment. It varied according to the situation and so on, and the, the experiment's extremely interesting. But in the movie, the experimenter, he, he makes a very interesting observation, and he says, you know, sometime in your life, you make a decision as to whether you're going to follow your conscience or whether you're going to follow orders. And if you make that decision that you're going to follow orders, it's very, very difficult to go back, because then you have to account for your conscience. Now, if you don't do it in this life, it's what you do in the next life, and it is very, very much more difficult then. So always, I would say to people, do the meditation, get rid of that train of intellect that um, controls your mind. And sit down and listen and listen in a non-judgmental way to how you feel about things now you're going to get this wrong you're going to be, mislead yourself but as you become more and more in tune with that feeling of conscience you'll be more and more aligned with the reality And one of the issues here is you're going to find yourself going against the prevailing mood of society to a tremendous extent. And this is very difficult. And you've got to ask yourself, you know, do you have the strength to do it? But as I say, if you don't do it in this life, you're going to do it in the next. So when there there is a day of judgment, and it's said that you will be judged yourself. You will judge yourself. And if you get on YouTube, there there are accounts, or on the net, there are accounts of people who have seen the afterlife. They've visited the heavens and they've visited the hells. And one of the things they always say is that the people who are suffering in the hell will never blame God They never blame God. They blame themselves. They see that they were given an opportunity. They were created. They were given an opportunity in life and given free will. And they chose to use that free will to go against um, the other aspect that the Creator has given them, which is their conscience. And they're suffering the consequences of it. You know, I've talked before about a a client I had who uh, would get angry, and he would get angry to the point that he was extremely violent. Um, He uh, was unable, he'd been divorced. he was unable to see his kids except under close supervision because they didn't trust that he wasn't going to lose his temper with the kids. His wife would only really wouldn't. His wife wouldn't see him. His ex wouldn't see him because he was violent uh, and so on. And he came to me not because he thought he had a problem, but he came to me because he wanted to get a certificate for the judge to say, "Oh, he's even tried hypnotherapy." And I said to him, "Why do you think?" that most people don't do this, that when they get angry, they don't just act it out. And he said something very telling. He said, ah, he said, people don't feel it. If they felt it like I felt it, they would do what I do. And the idea, the concept to him of feeling anger and not acting it out was extremely, it was, it was, it was, it was just impossible for him. And we did some very good therapy, I think and introduced into that concept in in a real way. But this is an extreme version of something that people have. They get a desire and they just act it out. And the the idea, even the possibility, that you might, well, just not act it out, you know, that you might just sit on it, is alien to them. And now they've got license. We live in an atheist society And people say, oh yes, go ahead and do it. You see that, you know, person, you're married and it doesn't matter, you just um, have sex with them. It's all, all all right and so on. And they're given license to do all these things that they will face consequences for in the next life. For listening, you can email me, Phil at Braham.net. You can look at my website, Philip with one L dot Braham, dot net. braham is B R A H A M. And if you send an email, put a podcast in a subject so it doesn't get lost. Thank you. We'll <laughs>